0: chase thomas podcast. the chase thomas podcast Um, (laughs) my nephew needs me
1: to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it all right hello and welcome back to another episode of the chase thomas podcast where i'm still the aforementioned chase thomas coming to you live from knoxville tennessee joining me my good friend fellow university of north georgia alumni down there in tequila georgia matt green matt good evening sir how are you Good
0: evening, sir. It is good to be back with you. Just once a week now. I, I, I'm not mm. going to lie, I kind of missed you, man. It's, uh, it's been a while, you know? We, we waited a whole week in between, uh, in, a,
1: in between our chats. What were you doing on Wednesday? Was Tori just like, why are you around tonight? Like, what are you supposed <laughs> to be? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, that's true. Uh, it was, uh, you know,
0: it's been a slower college football week, of course, but I'm sure i I'm sure I made myself busy. Wednesday's pizza night, so, you know, we're always uh, hitting, up, hitting up Rosati's on Wednesdays. How was it
1: this week? Oh, it's excellent as always. <laughs> is it never not excellent, Matt Green? What would you do? Have you ever sent? There food are back-
0: times. There are times that it hadn't been as good, you know, and you're like, "Oof, you yeah, know, this wasn't this uh, you know, this wasn't ideal." But uh, you know, proof is in the pudding. They got a long track record. You get, you know, one or two. I mean, you have been living here for like three years now, so mm-hmm. you know a couple times, it's not as good. You know, you keep, you keep going back and, it, and it's better. Uh, the next time you're like, I don't know why I doubted, you know, that's, that's how I always feel like, Oh, this wasn't good. You know, should we really go every week? You know? And then, you know, you get next time like, okay, this, this is why we go. This is why we do it.
1: Have you, so have you ever sent food back? Are you a food back guy? Or would you just be like, all right, I'll pick it off and I'll be all right. I, 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 would, I, don't...
0: I don't, Oh, What's your definition of sending it back? Like, if they bring the wrong thing? No, no, no. Like, if oh, it's not exactly one hundred
1: percent like what you wanted, or they put some, they left something on it that you didn't like, or it just tastes kind of wonky. Um, if a through? steak,
0: if a steak is like too rare, I I've sent a steak back for being uh, too rare. Just get okay. they char it back. But I'm usually, yeah, I'll usually try to be flexible. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not above sending it back. Not above sending it back. Yeah, I just i've never you're a paying customer man
1: it's true that's true i i'm always terrified and i just my wife and i we watched uh late last night as we were falling asleep was we watched waiting again which is just a a classic cinematic masterpiece from the early 2000s and you just watch it and you're like oh right this is why you don't do any of that like this is uh you you don't f with people who uh take care of your food macarine I just
0: uh I'll say I was a busboy in a in a uh sports bar like establishment as mm-hmm. a 16, 17-year-old. That's and, young to uh, you work in a
1: sports bar as a busboy. All right.
0: Yeah, and the uh the busboys are not completely accurately portrayed but not not completely inaccurate either in that in that movie, but Was that your first yeah, job? It was. Uh that's uh back in the day for sure. But um I will say there's an epic story of like we went on this uh, date with my uh, my brother and his wife one day. I'm not going to get into the whole story about the whole sending the food back thing. But
1: is this the friend of the pod brother or the, bro- short, the other? At yeah, the end? yeah, okay.
0: friend of the pod, Jake. Uh, we're at I won't even I won't say the establishment <laughs> um, in a Mexican restaurant,
1: <laughs> and
0: uh, they ordered fajitas for one. Him and his wife. They're like, hey, we're going to split fajitas for one whatever long story short it's like they even asked multiple times they brought it's like you sure this is fetus for one They're like yeah it's fetus for one you know whatever bill comes they charge him for the fajitas for two and they were like honestly just gonna pay it and tory is just like fuck that you are not paying you're not paying for the fetus for two you guys said multiple times you want fetus for one not your fault they brought out the fetus for two manager comes out or no first but the back big store part of the story that like the punch line that's all i want I, so I don't have there's this there's more to the story but the funniest part is just the waiter is like bro you guys kind of killed the fajitas for two <laughs> <laughs> and it was just the funny oh man i thought Tori was gonna absolutely lose her mind but um yeah it was uh it was i
1: agree uh, with Tori, but Tori wants the smoke like Tori's not afraid of yeah. uh, the smoke, and I just never want to engage on that level. But
0: that's the thing; is yeah. she doesn't want it. But hmm. when it happens, she thrives. So <laughs> it's she's in her element as soon as the as soon as the conflict happened. But she honestly doesn't seek it out. But uh, mm-hmm. no, it was just it was the funniest thing ever. Like this guy, I don't know, just trying to be like, yeah, between you and me, you guys kind of killed the <laughs> penis for two. But oh man, it was. It was so funny. But no, they ended up taking it off. They only paid for the Fajitas for one. But uh no, it was a, it was uh a, a, a great time.
1: No, I they think. were right, because like if it, you it's one of my, multiple, are yeah. your
0: best one of the best uh anecdote stories uh we have honestly.
1: That's pretty great. And honestly, you are in the right where it's like you ask multiple times, they if they say fajitas for one multiple times and you did order it and then you're paying. Like, yeah, I'd probably be like, All right, we we know what's happened here. Um y'all got nervous about messing up we were like oh clearly we brought out fajitas for two and that was supposed to be fajitas for one but like we're gonna keep it going until the very end maybe they don't notice that type of deal i uh and then they'll just be like well we did eat a lot of food so i guess we'll go ahead and pay it because we did actually finish it so the waiter thought he was gonna he was gonna get through on that one my guess yeah, i
0: think so but uh
1: not on tori's watch not
0: not on <laughs> tori's watch at all no she wasn't having that
1: i love it uh matt green well, there you go. Happy to have you back on the show again. We are doing this every Sunday night, uh, Monday morning for the commuters uh, each and every week um, during the off season. So as you can see in the headline, this will be our green coach heat index uh, here going into the college football offseason because the portal is closed. Matt Green, the transfer portal is closed for a uh, what? I guess it's January 22nd. So we got about four or five months uh, until it opens back up um after spring ball when guys know where they stand coming out of spring practice going into the summertime um i think
0: that's the next season of stranger things i think uh, mm -hmm. they try to open open the portal back up i think that's Mm -hmm. is that i don't know i could be off you know
1: they i mean i've is it weird that i've never watched an episode of stranger things i never got into it it's never my jam
0: oh is that right i felt like i was the last person that ever watched it like I feel mm. like everyone had seen it. And it was one of these things like everyone's seen this. I feel like I, I saw it like, I don't know, like three or four years after it came out. And then mm. I was like, yeah, this was a quality show. And I, I think, what has it been? Three seasons, I think. I, I've watched all of it for sure. It's, it's, it's a quality. I, I recommend it. It's a quality program.
1: Yeah, I'm not against it. I just don't. I don't remember. Like, I, I just, I don't really remember why I was against it at the beginning or I was just like, I'm always like someone who's suspicious when everyone's recommending it. And like, there are certain people if they recommend stuff, it's like, oh, you're the person I go to when I'm like, oh, I, I can avoid that. I cannot read that. I can skip that. I cannot go to that restaurant. Like you're the person because you need people like that in your life you need people who you know you don't connect with on any level so that you can pick their brain so you don't waste your time where you're like oh the, there's no no chance oh of you like that yeah, yeah i didn't
0: think i was gonna like
1: it that, right that, that <laughs> it. it's 100 and it doesn't mean you, you don't like them it just means that it's just your your tastes are not gonna interact so you can save yourself a lot of time by finding some friends who have complete different uh tastes than you save you some time um, but yeah, Stranger Things was one of those shows for me. I, I seem to recall uh, years ago. The peer, um, pressure Matt, ne- yeah. the peer
0: pressure never got me to watch Game of Thrones though. Could never. Ooh, could never see, I
1: read Game of Thrones first. So that was the whole thing. I was already in, um, okay. Potter, Thrones. That's my jam. I'm, I'm into that kind of stuff. There you go. For sure. Um, Matt Green, uh, Nigel the Nighthawk, our old friend, uh, has dropped some news and nuggets before we get into our hot seat rankings for some big time college football coaches going into, uh, this. 2023 college ball season still got a ways away we just wrapped up um but you know it's a year-round sport it's a daily sport matt green new stuff popping up every day i'm sending you nico iam highlight reels of him in the polynesian bowl this weekend looking like colt brennan with the visor and the hawaii looking helmet top-notch you stuff saw he,
0: you saw he threw that touchdown too though sir
1: zachariah branch
0: that was the 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 long like the 60 yard one Juice, that was the, uh, deuce robinson deuce robinson He's announcing, I think, like on early signing day, mm. all the crystal balls coming into Georgia to get the number one tight end in the country. From is he from Vegas or is he from California? I um, think he's born the West Coast. Yeah, it's something one like the, that, I, somewhere
1: in the I, West Coast. Yeah,
0: but yeah, so he's big time.
1: Yeah, it was a big time game. Uh, but Nico's got some legs. Fifty yard run at one point. Just Mark Rick, your dude, raving about him uh, and his leadership. So he's pro Nico. Uh, everything's coming up Nico in Tennessee as as you well know and do you know what happens on Wednesday night Matt Green it's unfortunate we're not doing our Wednesday pods anymore until the the new season do you know what happens on Wednesday night what's that see this is how I know Tennessee's in everything school Georgia back in hibernation Tennessee Georgia is Wednesday night no, is that in right? basketball yes it is yes it is after Tennessee is it, beat... uh, in yeah.
0: Knoxville
1: it is in Knoxville
0: yeah, the uh the dogs lost first home game of the season. Uh, this, mm. was that on Saturday, Vanderbilt? That was a that was a close one. But uh, you know who yeah. didn't lose
1: to Vanderbilt? It's volunteers.
0: That's true. Uh, but you know we're uh we're winning national championships, and I think that's mm. all you can ask for. And winning. Uh, I saw someone's rankings out there had Mike White as a uh, top five higher so far of this. Uh. Of the first year head coaches, had him ranked ahead of John Shire on the on the first year head coach list. So mm. you know, and and ahead of the the guy that Florida got. So you know, what does that say about what Florida's doing right now?
1: There you go. You gotta you gotta get the breadcrumbs. It's moving in the game. right
0: direction. They're like what fourteen and four, 14 and five. They're uh they're moved. I think they won like nine games last year. So George Baskin, I'll be a, I'll be in there. Uh, I'll be in the Stegosaurus on Saturday for the <laughs> South Carolina game.
1: But you are avoiding the Tennessee game. You're not making the trip up to Knoxville to see. I am
0: not making that trip. <laughs>
1: no. no. Ten- Here's the funny thing about Saturday. Do you know who uh, where college game days going on Saturday, Matt Green? Where's that? You guessed it. Tennessee, everything school HQ, Tennessee, Texas. Saturday in
0: Tennessee, Texas. Is that right?
1: Mm. Yeah, Saturday.
0: Good stuff.
1: It's going to be good. I think they're the first team to host um, college game day and women's basketball and men's basketball and college football all in the same, uh, same season. First college sports team ever to do it.
0: Well, uh, that's enough Tennessee talk, you know, for, uh, for one, for one podcast. <laughs>
1: Just facts, though. These aren't even opinions, man. I'm just giving you just giving you factoids and all of our recruiter listeners, like Deuce Robinson. What are we doing? Well, you Alabama had Nico throwing you bombs. Why would you want uh, to go to, about to rank
0: number one, right? Who? Alabama.
1: Uh, we're, they're about to, yeah, because Houston just lost. They are so, about the uh, That
0: that number 1 sounds more like an everything
1: school to me than uh, Have you seen uh, that, bas- that number baseball number program? Do you know who we just pulled from their baseball Tennessee program? Right Zane Ditton, the best player on Alabama this past year. He is now a Tennessee Volunteer and will be playing baseball for the Vols at preseason number 2 team in the country, MacRae. Just everything sh- school HQ.
0: We shall see.
1: Um Walker Howard. So this is my favorite just chaos part getting back to some news items where we get into this walker howard uh premier prospect four or five stars depending on who you look at Um, because that's annoying by the way too right like everyone just flips this based on whether or not it helps or hurts your school like whenever we have these conversations or i see it on twitter it's always like if a team's report like a team blog's reporting it the player's a five star and they're going with the one who has them that way and then if it's another one it's like a four star it's just it's very hard to keep up with because everyone's using their own rankings. And if it's an on three site, they're using their on three rankings. If it's a 247 site, they're using 247. but I but no, feel yeah. like
0: because there's just to defend that because there's like 354 stars, mm-hmm. even if you're writing a 24 seven article and ESPN has, this guy as a five star. It's like, it kind of does distinguish him a little bit that, Hey, somebody thinks he's a five star. I do like that on threes come out with the, the five star plus or whatever. I think mm. it's a stupid name, but like unanimous consensus five star essentially is what it's for. So right. I, I do like that it kind of separates those guys.
1: For sure. Um well, like I said, Walker Howard, uh premier LSU product uh freshman, uh, he entered the portal and then he transferred Mac Green to Old Miss, which I think caught a lot of people by the surprise because Old Miss has a quarterback who can be their quarterback for a this season. And another one, Jackson Dart, who started all this past year. Luke Altmaier went in the portal and he is now going to be the starter in Champaign for the Fighting Illini. But that wasn't all they did. They also added Spencer Sanders in the portal, Matt Green. I don't, I think there's not going to be a more fascinating spring than what's going on at Old Miss. Like that is top notch stuff. I don't know why Spencer Sanders left under these circumstances circumstances, because I don't think he's the favorite to start. And he's probably, I just, I I don't know. Like, I think this is all extremely strange. Clearly like lane is not all the way sold on what he saw from Jackson Dart um, this past year. But I don't know, what do you make of Howard coming in the building and Spencer Sanders with Jackson Dart this spring?
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I'm, I, I think it's, it's definitely surprising because Jackson Dart was solid, but I agree. I wasn't sold on him necessarily. So he, you know, he left some room for, to, for, to be desired. Right. But Spencer Sanders coming in though, you would think a guy who's I assume only has one year, but I mean, who really knows with, with COVID and guys getting extra years and stuff, but he seems like a guy who just has one last shot to, Mm -hmm. to elevate his game. And like, I mean, Oklahoma state, it's still a good team. I would, I mean, I would think, I wouldn't think they're just falling off the face of a cliff, even though they kind of did last season. So it was kind of weird to see him be transferring from the, from the get go. Mm. But for, to go to Ole Miss somewhere where it's not really a guaranteed spot, like JT Daniels going to like a West Virginia somewhere he knew he was going to start. And then obviously that didn't work out. And, and he went down a level somewhere. He knew he was going to start again. Like this isn't what that is. So, with Spencer Sanders like with with Walker Howard it's like okay well, maybe you just like okay I don't want to be at LSU I'm going somewhere else with Spencer Sanders this is, it seems like his one shot to play so I'm I mean I do think he's better than than Jackson Dart if like, I'm just taking what these guys did in 2022 I'm taking Spencer Sanders over Jackson Dart they especially since they're kind of similar players Spencer Sanders seems like just a better version of Jackson Dart so um how many more years is I mean, I guess you know Sanders could come in, and Jackson's Dart still has a year or two to start after that. That's probably not what's going to happen. Just in today's landscape, uh, if he loses that job, he's probably going to go transfer somewhere else. But uh, yeah, it's definitely interesting. And then, I mean, uh, maybe maybe Ole Miss is is set up even better with like a senior and a and a sophomore or redshirt freshman, you know, setting up that uh, that twenty twenty three roster.
1: Yeah, and it looks like. Alan Bowman's going to be the starting quarterback at Oklahoma state next year. Like he entered the portal and he was number three on the depth chart at Michigan this past year. He obviously started as a freshman at Texas tech, but it's been a long time since Alan Bowman's been able to both stay healthy and be a really good player um, in the sport, but he's back to the big 12. Maybe that'll help a little bit for him. Um, But I don't know that quarterback room and Oklahoma state's lost a lot of players in the portal. So I think they need to be pretty active, especially post spring spring ball, um, for Gundy's group, but yeah, I don't know. I, my gut tells me because Spencer Sanders went there. I think he beats out Jackson dart in spring. I think he wins the job and dart, he dart might be elsewhere by (laughs) post spring. Like he might be in the portal and then it's just Walker Howard, um, after Spencer Sanders does one year, um, in Oxford this fall. That's my gut. I, I think Spencer Sanders has shown a lot more than Jackson dart to this point.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. And so, you know, we'll see what happens. I think Ole, Ole Miss definitely shouldn't look at their 2022 season and say, okay, let's just let's let we this have group our guy. improve. Yeah, it's like they got a lot to improve on. And I mean, the running game was great. So I mean, you got to think a a better a better quarterback, who actual passer could, could definitely take that offense to the next level.
1: Jalen Rashada, um, he is now out of his national letter of intent from the University of Florida. Um, This has obviously been a gigantic story, um, both at UF and in college football as a whole. Matt Green, like this is still a developing story um, where he ultimately ends up. looks like he's going to go back to the West Coast. He's a West Coast kid. Um, The reported figures being what 13 million in total uh for Rashada uh if he had stuck with it and the NIL deal had not fallen through or been uh, whatever happened here we i hope we get to know for sure what the actual the final for sure factual fallout was here and what actually is real and what's not um with why this all went south so quickly but um embarrassing for the Gators nonetheless um i think at the very least uh, there's a lot of problems clearly Uh, with uh, nil at the university of florida at this point um i saw a tweet where it's like of course florida would struggle with like nil stuff when they bring in one of the best recruiters um in the southeast and billy napier so it's like you're fumbling the bag with this thing that like billy napier was brought in because he just he recruits really well has spent like a bunch of guys on staff like they you remember that picture from last year for their team photo which is like a third Coaches and stuff, where he's like put all this investment in recruiting and uh just on-field coaches and all that sort of thing. And Dan Mullen was the one who specialized <laughs> in the like. I'm not really worried about the NIL and the other stuff. Like my system's better. Like we'll beat them with my guys, and I'm smarter than them, and I'll I'll outwork them and stuff. And now the recruiting is just blowing up in this way. I mean, Cormani McLean, obviously, too. uh Not ending up at UF, he's going to Colorado. We'll talk about it in a second, but. I don't know, man, this is, this is bad. And it's going to be the Graham merch show uh, for the full season. Now uh, Jack Miller did not look good in that bowl game against Oregon state. I just, I think this is going to be really bad uh, for Billy Napier and company in year two. This is a bad look um, as a whole. I wonder what the fallout is in recruiting for them going into next year, but man, um, this, I, I, I don't know. What do you, what do you make of this for um, the university of Florida first and foremost?
0: Well, especially because this NIL landscape is so brand new, it's like if 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 the collective is is kind of how each of these programs is going to get some sort of booster led like money filtering to players somehow, if, if that's going to be the system that everybody uses,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like or for the most part, you don't know what any of these programs are really going to do. You don't know that any of them are worth what they're going to say. Right. Mm. But you know, Florida has reneged or done something in some way, a deal fell through. So it's Mm. like, just from a, a PR perspective on, you know, what, what this means to future recruits is like almost incalculable at this point, because it's like, you just heard that bad press that they got. Essentially you're like, well, you know, I, there's a lot of programs, you know, not in all of college football, but, mm-hmm. you know, that are that are essentially Florida's level of program. You know, the top 15, 20 programs in the country that if I'm being talked to by all of these, well, I might rule out that one just from the get-go because of of what happened with their NIL stuff. If, like you said, we ever figure out what actually happened. Um, it's just kind of bizarre, you know, to to get released from the scholarship. It This guy, obviously flipped his recruit uh, commitment a couple of times, like Miami, Florida, we, we, no one really knew where he was going to go. And now for Florida to land him and get him signed. And that's still not enough. You can just, uh, something can fall through again. It's gotta be frustrating from a Florida perspective because I mean, is this something you can even blame on Billy Napier? Like, is this something that the collective did that's kind of out of his hands? Like it's, it's, it's hard to say. So, it's just it's super demoralizing because you you look at someone like a like a Josh Heupel where obviously he had success and like the offense was like fun and it was it was at least like you felt good about the team moving forward even though they only went 7 and 6 year 1 right mm. but with Napier it's like the on field was just so bad but it's like okay it's year 1 and then you landed this big time recruit going into year 2 it's like that can a quarterback can just change so much of a program. So for then for that guy to fall through, it's like now Florida just has nothing to really hang their hat on. No real reason to be positive, like at all. So it's uh, it's tough. And, I, and at this point, like I kind of wonder when you wait. So like so many quarterbacks seem to be the first in their class to commit and they kind of want to mm-hmm. try to build the class. Like after signing day, now there's so many spots that are taken. Obviously, if you're a guy like Jaden Rashada, you think you're as good as anybody you're a big time five star and you can go just about anywhere and play but i think it does you know maybe shrink and you know and maybe in the year of the portal it doesn't matter you can go wherever in one year and then just transfer to where you really want to be but um i think it does kind of you know shrink the potential schools that he's that he could potentially land at
1: yeah i um I guess it looks like it's the the decisions like either Arizona state, which seems like most likely they have a big need there or um,
0: visiting TCU as well. And I think Cal might even get a visit or something. So I don't know. That's a little different than Florida and Miami. Also, TCU is just in the national championship game, but um, you know, traditionally they don't necessarily recruit the same level of, of prospects.
1: Well, they've done this before. Remember Zach Evans, the five star where it fell through at Georgia and everyone couldn't believe that it fell through at Georgia. He won, He wound up at TCU. Um, So you never know. You never know, Matt Green. But either way, I think if you're a Florida fan, you're very nervous about where things are headed. And it's like someone pointed this out and I forgot who it was on Twitter. And I thought this was something that people forget and overlook when it comes to Florida. It's so like if you remove the Spurrier and Urban Meyer runs. Like it's been mostly like this dysfunction and underachieving and just kind of a kind of a mess uh, for the football program outside of two top 10 top five coaches of all time being being the head honchos there yeah
0: without a doubt and i don't i don't know if we want to get all the way into this we're going to wait till our our head coaching yeah we can we can save it but yeah uh, but yeah it's uh it's it's not it's not nearly the the juggernaut that we're kind of used to growing up against and just dreading playing every season
1: no not at all um macarine cormani McLean, uh late announcement but he did announce that he is also going to play football at least for this season at the university of colorado boulder um it's i mean here's the thing like there's some weird stuff going on where it's like the the coach brewster stuff or everyone's got to take on that one with the stand-up sit-down stuff that got posted (laughs) i think he posted it himself and um I don't know. It's it. it's just so fascinating. Like I don't have a take on it really yet because I want to see what they look like on the field and I'm just going to reserve all judgment until I see what this looks like at the power five level. Um, But I mean, it's so fascinating, right? Like Cormani McLean winds up Dion gets the number one corner and back to back uh, recruiting classes like with Travis Hunter and Cormani McLean and both guys really late in the process kind of he snags them late and I don't know like it, it's all asking a lot. I think One of the things that people are going to miss here is that like he did bring in a bunch of transfers, but this is still mostly the guys before like (laughs) this is what people are forgetting is like you still have to look at the whole group and he's not going to play a bunch of freshmen only in the Pac-12, the power five like Travis Hunter will obviously play, but like Cormani McClain will get snaps. But as you know, as a Georgia,
0: they will play a lot of freshmen just because they don't have that many bodies, I'm afraid
1: well you'll lose like that's the other part of it it's just like freshman it takes time to develop and corners a hard position to just throw some guys in there like tennessee has been very careful with throwing in the young guys georgia doesn't do it uh, unless it's like a malachi starks type um maybe in linebackers you sit for a couple years and learn the system and grow your body like that's the other thing is like getting in the power five meal plan and weight room you just build and just get so much bigger over the course of one to two years um, at that level, just be with the facilities and what you have at your disposal to grow as a yeah, player. Both
0: of these guys are like six feet, one sixty five coming yeah. to high school, like uh Travis Hunter and Cormani McLean. Like I'm super dynamic athletes, but um not not the not the biggest bodies at all. But no. this uh Colorado is now one of ten schools in mm. uh in college football uh to sign a five-star in each of the last two classes. Hmm. So um, Dion changing the game, bringing in Travis Hunter and Cormani McClain. I don't know. It's uh, it's crazy. I know. I don't know if you saw, they just released the PAC 12 schedule. I think like earlier this week and I didn't see it like looking at Colorado's it's like, they're probably going to have to win. <clears throat> I'd probably say two or three games to two or three games that they're not favored for to probably, make a bowl game next year like it's not it's not an easy schedule
1: oh this schedule. Open i'm TCU. looking at it now this this is rough
0: i mean TCU's not shouldn't be nearly as good next year as they were this year but i think TCU's definitely gonna be favored over colorado like they don't have a they don't have a cupcake at a conference
1: i mean I, colorado state's cupcake they were one of the worst programs in america last that's, year
0: that's uh, true that's the that's probably the one
1: um, which is not good. You don't want that to be your one cupcake is another P5 uh, or excuse me, group of five school, not even like a, a low level Mac or something. Um, now you're at Arizona State. I mean, I guess it's good to get Colorado at home, but like you're, I mean, at UCLA, at Wazoo, at Utah. Woo. I don't, at Oregon. Yeah, I don't there's know. there's a man. lot of,
0: a lot of good teams in the Pac-12 next year.
1: This looks like a three and nine, four and eight max to me.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I mean, because like Stanford shouldn't be very good. Like Arizona State's not very good. It's like you have great. to win, you have to win all of those. Like Nebraska's not very good, but it's like you have to win all of those games. Colorado's like the worst team in Power Five. And, yeah. like, 130th in like a lot of stats, like defensive stats and things like that. So it's it's like a, be a lot of toss-up game. It's like they're gonna, it'll be
1: Yeah, I just I think when it comes to year one, like expectations, it's like, I believe in Dion and this process and I believe in what he's building and the guys he's getting, but I just, I would be surprised with year one, especially with the schedule. I think that's so, that's just a bunch of turnover, but it also might just depend on like how good is Shador right away, right? Like if he, he was a four-star kid, um, a lot of guys wanted him, a lot of the universities wanted him coming out of high school, obviously following his dad at Jackson State, but like if he's a, the real deal, like if he's really good right away in this sk- scheme with uh, Sean Lewis, then... They're going to surprise some folks like six and six. Like, that's the goal. If you're a Buffs fan right now. And if you're Dion, like you want to get to a ballgame, that's it. Your one is you just want to get to six and six, seven and five, something like that. Seven and five is with this schedule would be pretty, pretty, pretty good, uh, especially with one and 11 last year. It's still going to be a lot of guys from that team that really struggled um, last year. So I don't know. We'll see um, where expectations will be a lot higher, I think, is where 80 Mitchell has flipped to Matt Green. He is now a Texas Longhorn. Um, what do you make of A.D. Mitchell departing the wide receiver room at Georgia, and how does it change the wide receiver room going forward?
0: Mm, this one stings, man. A.D. Mitchell uh, caught, a, caught a touchdown pass in every college football playoff game he's he's played in, which for Georgia is four uh, mm-hmm. in his two years on campus. So. I um one thing I heard listened to the cover three podcast and I feel Mm. like these guys just swung and missed when they talk about A.D. Mitchell, honestly. Like all I heard Mm. them say was like, Oh yeah, Georgia, Georgia does uh, you know, run the ball a lot. Like, as if Georgia wasn't second in the SEC in pass attempts this past year, as if they didn't have a top 10, top 15 passing offense, like in college. Like, the guy had nine catches because he played in like five games last year and he caught a touchdown in almost every game he played like the Oregon game, Ohio state TCU. Like I know he has a kid and he's from Texas. So maybe it's something, you know, it's the N I <clears throat> we live in the NIL era now, you know? So mm. it's like, if a guy's going to the portal, cause he can get paid somewhere else. It's like, that's, that's a thing that's going to happen. So I can't imagine on the field, see anything of ad mitchell's experience being like you know the Georgia's just not good enough you know it's just uh, we don't pass the ball like this man got the ball when he played like that ohio state game it was like the first game he was healthy in a in a while and this man caught the ball like twice on the first possession of the game it's like they made a he was a a huge part of the offense so i think knowing Kirby smart i think it's just like his his just roster management I feel like is what he's always what I'll always just be kind of in awe of Kirby Smart about like to the the offseason he brought in Jamie Newman and to also bring in JT Daniels like that same offseason like was kind of a really weird thing that happened and for JT Daniels to end up starting four games but right in that season like that's just one of those moves that he's that he's made that I feel like he's just kind of always steps ahead and to bring in one of the the better receivers in the SEC, like Ra Ra Thomas or Dominic Lovett, would have been one thing. But to bring in two of them when you weren't really losing any of your key receivers, it makes me wonder if Kirby Smart like knew like something ahead of time that like eighty Mitch, you know, he's a guy who kind of he might go back home to Texas or something. Maybe there's just kind of whispers of something like that because it seemed kind of weird for two of the better receivers in the SEC. To both choose Georgia when Lad McConkey's back, when Ad Mitchell's back, when Marcus Rosemeyer Jack Saint is back, it's like as well as the title, well, Darnell Washington's gone, but Bowers is still back. It's like all the same, all the same touches. You know, all the touches can't be the same if you're bringing in two receivers like Ra Ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett. So it's definitely unfortunate for Ad Mitchell because he was just for me as a fan personally because I feel like Ad Mitchell is just one of those guys. I'd probably say short of AJ Green and George Pickens I think a- I think uh, AD Mitchell might be the next best Georgia receiver in terms of just like actual like raw NFL ability. Like Georgia's had some good receivers like a Malcolm Mitchell or Tavares King or something, Miko Hardman, Terry Godwin or something, but like n- other than Miko Hardman, none of those guys really had big time NFL projections. Riley Ridley was like a third rounder. Like just a lot of like solid college players. A.D. Mitchell seems like he has that uh, ability to actually be an NFL player. Like uh, unlike, you know, basically every other Georgia receiver. Uh, they just kind of barely made a roster minus A.J. Green and George Pickens. So, yeah, I think it's a big loss. I think uh, luckily George is going to, you know, get a couple guys in the portal at receiver. But, uh you know, I hate, hate to see A.D. Mitchell go.
1: Yeah, um i'm curious to see what this route looks like because i i mentioned to you about the lad stuff that you're pushing back on but i'm curious where he fits in uh with this group and with darnell being out and you said he had if-
0: arthritis he does have arthritis
1: he is whatever it is need tinnitus <laughs> arthritis but they were saying on the broadcast as you went back and i i see the tweets it was not it was something i jotted down where i was like man they're killing this kid's draft stock on This live broadcast, where like he has to get pain injections or something, what they were saying to manage so he could play, so he's not feeling anything in his knee. Was
0: that just a temp? That's I think that was just a temporary thing because he just hurt his. Yeah, I don't know. Like, and I don't know what' LSU and the SC championship. He just had anyway. an alien
1: knee. And they did say like he had the knees of like a 60 year old or something. That was something that was, I remember like, it, I don't remember the exact age, but it was older. It was like, he has the, <laughs> the knees or whatever. But either way, what I'm saying is like, McConkie's
0: a playmaker. So maybe I like McConkey Todd a Gurley was a playmaker too. And apparently had like some sort of degenerative knee thing. So I, if, if he's got something like that going on, I don't know, but McConkie's definitely, he's, a good he's definitely
1: the, Does the, he start the quickest, XGMO?
0: fastest. I mean, I think so. And I don't think anything's really changing with his role. Obviously,
1: like Lovett's you're bringing in the it... slot. Where does he go?
0: I mean, he's I mean, he's, he's going to be on the field like McConkey. I don't think he starts the, opening possessions. the top I think he's worked in. I mean, w- they did lose A.D. Mitchell at the same time, though. So, I mean, you're going to play three receivers a lot of a lot of the right, time. Right. But
1: one's so. going to be Arian Smith. He was mostly on the outside, wasn't he? I mean, Arian Smith has played
0: like seven games in his three years at Georgia. So True. it's like I don't I don't think anyone's really counting on Arian Smith. For anything, what would you guess?
1: So if you had to guess like who's on the two outside spots? It's who raw, gets raw the and most won. spots?
0: Who gets it's, the most snaps? I yeah, mean so it's Marcus Roseme Jack Saint, but I mean yeah. Conkey did a lot of that uh outside receiver stuff. I True. mean he's a, he's a guy who does go deep like I mean catch screens or, or whatever. So I mean he's he's a well rounded receiver. So I don't think he's like just a slot guy even though he obviously he obviously looks like a lot of the slot guys, the uh, the the Cole Beasley types uh if you will. Real industrious players. Um, but but I
1: think you'll get more out of Dominic Lovett at that spot.
0: I mean, Ra Ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett have definitely produced more in college, um, in worse
1: situations.
0: And that, that's true. But at Georgia, there is something to blocking and and doing all that. And Rosemi Jack Saint has been a really good blocker, and he he's a guy who who makes catches. He get, he's good for like two or three catches every game, and he's. He's shown some ability. He's not like a superstar or anything. Like a Rosemary Jack Saint is is that like that's the typical caliber of like a Georgia receiver. I feel like the Riley Ridley's, uh, you know, Michael Bennett's of the world. They're just like, this is a really solid receiver. He doesn't seem like a superstar in any way, but he's just a really solid uh receiver. If 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 Rara Thomas and Lovett have that ability to make big plays, like they'd definitely be on the field. But I mean. With injuries and everything that happens, like I think you've got to have four capable receivers on any on any roster. So to have to have those top four, and I'm not even including Arian Smith in that, who's just like the ultimate X factor. So to go over with Brock Bowers and, and Oscar Dell, like I think Georgia will be fine when it comes to playmakers.
1: I think they'll be fine too. I'm just interested to see where the snaps go and what that looks like. Cause Tennessee is a totally different thing where like Tennessee only plays three receivers all game long. Like they do three only and that's just how it works. Like there's no rotation in that regard. It's the three who start and that's how they go. And um, UJ is not like that. So I'm just curious to see how they manage those snaps. There's an understanding that like week in week out, this is the three starters. This is the three guys who are playing 70 snaps or whatever.
0: Yeah, and Georgia's definitely not been that like ever. It's almost like mm. any game you just have no idea who they they don't really, until Bowers. It, mm. it feels like Bowers is like the only guy that's like you got to get this man the rock. Other than that, so many and even even him they don't really just feed it to him like necessarily I would. I feel like he's got to touch the ball 10 15 times every game. Like hand it to him five or six times if you need to. But like uh in terms of just how Georgia kind of uh uh manages receivers it doesn't really the the leading receivers end up with 30 40 catches and four or 500 yards and they kind of spread it out a little bit And I think you're going to see probably more of that uh in 2023 so love it does seem like the one's got the biggest upside but you know he also hasn't he's learning a new system Ra thomas is learning a new system so rah Ra thomas seems like the one like he's the guy that's on the outside that i think can make a play like a one-on-one and i think that's kind of you know irreplaceable if you have a guy that can that can do that on the outside i think you i think you can learn earn a lot of snaps that way so if if i had to you know gun to my head pick pick a a guy to get the most snaps in the receiver room ah like i really don't know like Rosey jack saint is who i start to say just because he's like proven at georgia or but you know
1: one of the new guys should get a bunch of snaps just because he's terrifying on the end like he's just he's the terrifying. last
0: one I would pick because this man's always injured but mm. yeah I mean he's he's got that big playability he's got that legit track speed like he might be like literally the fastest player in college football so yeah that's something he's got the Jalen I Hyatt think-
1: thing where it's like you just if he's in the field every game that's how it should be like his 247 comp was T- DJ Moore. like the dude should be the leader in snaps i think if you're doing it i face think side, if he's healthy then yeah. i
0: think it's definitely he's definitely up there he's in that conversation i think mcconkey tries to get pigeonholed like hmm. like you said with being like a slot guy like he's he's an all-around receiver and he makes plays after the catch like he does a lot of things hits people he's hitting so many people with those double moves I mean, but it's
1: fair to say like this is deep a deeper wide receiver room for him next year. Like that's my biggest thing. It's like this is a deeper room for him to compete with. The receiver room was not as deep and more unproven uh this past year for him to thrive. He's that's gonna have more true. Comp- with, with
0: AD Mitchell out all year, like it was definitely uh a little a little light. It was a mm. lot of decent solid players there's a reason they went to mcintosh and brock bowers and darnell
1: washington close like there was a reason that kenny mcintosh had so many receptions
0: or is the reason you went to mcintosh bowers and washington is because those were your three best players maybe those guys those are bowers
1: should should lead
0: the team in in catches and mcintosh like i think mcintosh showed like he's an nfl running back like the way he caught the ball at the backfield so for sure i think those were the best player were those the best playmakers because the receivers weren't as good it's like that might've contributed some to McIntosh's uh, production, but, but Bowers, it like, it doesn't matter who your receivers are. Bowers should get the rock all the time.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I'm curious. It's going to be more interesting. Georgia. I can't believe I'm saying this. It's going to be a lot more interesting to watch next year uh, because there's so many new faces, Carson Beck, new running back, new receivers, new, uh... and
0: Beck, not just a foregone conclusion either. I think Beck's mm. uh, definitely got the lead, but you know, with Vandegrift with Vandegriff Gra- Van and, and Gunner Stockton, like all those guys were were highly recruited. So, you know, you heard about Gunnar Stockton in the in the bowl prep, right? No. In the national Championship prep. Gunner Stockton uh told coach, I want to be in the in the real jersey, took off the non contact jersey so that he could help the team prep for Max Duggan. Getting his Stetson Bennett. That's Stetson Bennett's uh uh, the start of his oh shoot, what am I origin story? There you go. Stetson Bennett's origin story is the playing Baker Mayfield for scout team. So Gunner Stockton was uh was playing Max Duggan for the scout team. Took off the non getting his faton bauta on. That's the last time I heard of a Georgia quarterback taking off the non contact jersey. And we, we all know how good faton Balta was.
1: Man, uh, bring him <laughs> back. That was a more enjoyable time for me. Uh, watching oh, Georgia man. football.
0: That was a one game, a one game era. I don't know. That's when Mark Rick phoned it in. He was like, You guys, I don't know what to do. Th- Florida game, throw out Faton Bauta. Who's who who knows what will happen? Didn't take him out, let him just play the entire game. People have been comparing him to 10 never Tebow forever. Never played him again. Like he didn't get like a snap before that game. Didn't get a snap after. It was like, okay. Grayson Lambert, I think, ended up like 10 and one or something as a starter. Uh, because he didn't have that Florida loss that year, but yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting uh, experiment.
1: Uh, last thing before we get into our Green Coach Heat Index, Matt Green uh can alabama fans (laughs) rep jalen hurts uh you wanted to throw this out here because you want chaos matt green you don't want people to enjoy things get make the case matt green the ad mitchell
0: that was the segue because honestly i'm embarrassed to be a georgia fan on twitter this week with this Mm. damn good dog stuff hashtag dgd um it's a thing that georgia fans do that it's like oh yeah he's damn good dog you know it's like he's a great player for georgia he's beloved you know mm. may not have been all american you know but gave everything to the university that that whole spiel you know and uh-huh. then so now it's like ad mitchell's transferring he he's damn good dog it's like he's not a damn good dog he transferred he's not a, he's not a dog whatever mm. so it just got me thinking about now i've seen this i've seen this jalen hurt stuff what what was the stat some espn someone had the stat of first Alabama quarterback to win a playoff game since, like, 1983. And it's like, well, well hold on. Jalen Hurts isn't an Alabama quarterback. Like, A.D. Mitchell's going to Texas now. Like, I, I'll i forever love A.D. Mitchell. I'll remember his career fondly. As Alabama fans should love Jalen Hurts. Like, you know, got beat out, still stuck it out, and, and had that clutch SEC championship uh, performance as the backup. Like, but he left. Alabama and he became an Oklahoma player like he is an oak like you look at the roster it's Jalen Hurts Oklahoma and especially at his specific situation he wouldn't be in the NFL if he didn't go to Oklahoma like what he did at Alabama like that guy wasn't an NFL quarterback like he he was he was solid in college but he wasn't that's the reason he got beat out, right? Like, but when he went to Oklahoma, like not only did he have the best rushing season of his career, he had by far the best passing year. I like, I was like, who is this guy? Like, this is, this is why I questioned Jalen hurts at Alabama because he wasn't, he didn't ever play like he did at Oklahoma. So it's like him specifically, it's like Oklahoma is what turned him into a, a an NFL quarterback as far as I'm concerned. So on, on the roster, he's got Oklahoma there and, like Ad Mitchell, as I love him, but he's gonna get drafted next year, and it's gonna be wide receiver Ad Mitchell, Texas. He's not a dog anymore, so I don't like this Alabama repping repping Ad Mitchell. What what say you? Or repping uh, Jalen Hurts. What say you?
1: Um, what I say is a more broader thing that we're now gonna have to deal with, Matt Green, with the air the portal era. It's I can I say that I feel bad for these kids now. They're not gonna feel it yet but they're going to feel it like 10 years from now where they don't have like a home, like a college home where they can't come back and like do cool tours and be beloved by like one town and one university forever. Where like, it's hard for a 20 year old, 21 year old to see that and think about that kind of legacy and like what happens after football and like the 15 to 20 years. But like you see that with all the Georgia players, you see it with all um, like, I see it here at Tennessee, like Jason Swain obviously has a sports radio show here. Um, will overstreet uh could have transferred around but he's uh on the sports uh sunday sports Source show he pops in ron slay pops in like peerless price can come up he's popping in but like yeah you have the same thing in georgia where i'm like i feel bad for these kids because i think one of the things that they're going to find later in life is like those connections too that they're not going to have because they're going to bounce around from school to school where it's like if you're a, a like you said a dgd and at one particular school and you're pretty solid there you're gonna make a lot of connections you can go back after you graduate and like after your football career is over and you'll have all these connections to be like hey um i went to uga i'm going to use this pipeline and all these different influencers to help me find what's next uh that sort of thing like you'll be in that you'll you're in the family right for a long time
0: i think those known like connections i think will kind of still be there because i think from like a a player coach perspective it's like they they think of it totally different than fans. Like I remember Justin Fields was like at, at like some Georgia scrimmage, like the year mm-hmm. after he transferred. And it was just like the players are probably like, yeah, you know, we came in at the same time. We're boys. Kirby's like, yeah, recruit him, love the kid, love the family, you know, all that stuff. So it's like, oh, anything you need, I'll help you, whatever you need. You know, it's like you're always a member of, you're always a friend of mine, that sort of thing. But I feel like it's like the unknown connections of just like mm. just some random Georgia person that's just yep. oh I would love to give Tavares King a shot to do I love yeah he played for the school for four or five years or something it's like it's it's that stuff that I think yeah you'll miss out on like the the like the hype videos Georgia makes in week out week, mm. week in and week out that like Garrison Hurst or something will be like yeah. a random narrator it's like you're not going to be doing that stuff. You like you you won the you had the game winning national game winning catch in the national championship yeah. for Georgia. Like uh, one of the more memorable moments in the history of the football program. But now it's going to say Texas next to your name when you go to the yeah. pros and it's like you're you're not going to be like yeah, some 20 year anniversary championship team. Yeah, you might be there, but like you're not going to be the the guy signing autographs that yeah. everyone wants to you're not going to be narrating the hype videos like you're not going to be there's going to be things that you miss out on you're not just going to be you know cons- you know universally beloved it's going to be some people that are like oh yeah but he transferred you know the him and Haw kind of stuff so yeah it's uh, it's not gonna be a career it's not, gonna, it's not unconditional yeah. love you know
1: no and i think that's like part of the deal if like you do it like it's just no one's faulting you for it like i yeah. get it um I get why and we'll see what he does I mean he'll have a good opportunity there he'll probably I mean look I think (laughs) playing with Quinn Ewers and or Arch Manning uh it's gonna be pretty cool and I understand why he's doing it but like you said like if it's a one-year thing it just kind of clouds it where I also wonder I mean would his draft stock really change all that much spending that final year at Georgia versus that final year at Texas um if that's how it it goes it's like I don't know like these inner conference moves too where I'm just like what are we doing like <laughs> are we sure and I just I, I don't know it's just hard for me to just tell I, I don't want to tell a kid what he should and shouldn't do and these kids are making the best decisions they they possibly can and it's tough and complicated and I'm sure there's so many contributing factors behind the scenes that we'll never be privy to or understand and know. but like I, I just I think we're on the same page here and uh, you mentioned players are understand and I think that's true by and large players do but Um, the coaches will talk about it where it's like it does. I think Kirby's talked about it where it it just kind of sucks of like these kids are gonna who bounce around a little bit, don't have that. Like if you stay at Georgia, even if you don't become a star or whatever, like you gotta remember too, most of these guys who play it even Georgia are not gonna last very long in the NFL. Most won't get drafted, most won't pan out. But if you stay in the system and with NIL being pretty good, I think across the board at, at Georgia. You still have the this stuff to fall back on, where you're just kind of beloved, like you said, when you go back to Athens, or you run into people and they're like, "Oh, are you Ad Mitchell was part of the title team and all that for yeah. years?" Like you'll get that for forty years after uh, you graduate. And you tell someone who you are. You're like, "Oh yeah, you were awesome at that time." Like that's, and then you never know what that door, what door that opens for you professionally, personally, whatever. Um, but if it's kind of cl- clouded and it's like you're sitting at home, like who do you even cheer for? Like when you're older and your playing days are done, are you like, I'm a Texas guy? I'm a Georgia guy. Like yeah. what even am I? Like what's my identity?
0: Like if I'm putting together my 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 all UGA team on, yeah. on Madden in, in a few years, you know, I need quarterback depth. You know, I might throw Jacob Easton on there. Mm. You know, I might, I might throw AD Mitchell on there just like, yo, he played. Yo, we'll try to, you know, add some leeway or something. But um, yeah, just from like a, I don't know, remembering like like being remembered like an all-time great, like it's it's just not really gonna be that way. Like Kirby Smart, like Kirby Smart's always gonna have love for him. And maybe that he came to him months ago, he's like, hey man, I really want to be closer to my family, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And he's just like, totally understand, do your thing, and there's no love lost. Like, that's probably more the case. But for from sure. a fan perspective, it's just like, nah, man, you're not on our team anymore. Uh it, it says a you got a different name in your
1: uh, Matt Green, it's time for our main event here, our hot seat index uh, for college football coaches. We have a lot here, 13 in total to get through. Um, some we had overlaps, some we didn't. We'll break it down based on cool, warm, and hot going into the 2023 college football season. And I think we have to start, Matt Green, with... Mike Norvell, the head football coach at Florida State University. Matt, what says you about where he currently sits going into next year?
0: Well, first things first, you know, I'm not above uh, admitting when I'm wrong. Mm. And I called for Mike Norvell's job last year. I said he was going to be the guy who lost his job after a third uh, subpar season at Florida State. But that was not the case. So he is definitely trending cooler right now i'm putting it at a six still because 10 and 3 it was a great season but i'm not i don't forget three and i can almost forget three and six covid Mm. year and first season but five and seven in 2021 still not good 10 and three we're we're going the right direction but like we haven't won the uh the acc atlantic I believe is the conference, the division they're in.
1: Doesn't matter. Um, It's ending.
0: (laughs) It doesn't matter. They never have won the division. They haven't played for a conference title since he's been there. They haven't played for it since 2014, I don't think. So there's still like there's still a chance he could get fired. Like, I don't think it would happen this year, but like there's a there's a huge step back and miss a bowl game that's like, okay, what are we doing? Four years in, we haven't won the division, we haven't done anything. This is Florida State. You know, this is not like they don't have the same standards as some other programs. They they should be a contender. So this is going to be the year that you start top 10, maybe top five, like where's Florida state going to, I feel like there could be no lower than like seven or eight or something in the, in the preseason polls. If you go six and six with this, with this team, this season, that's the type of thing that he could get fired. So I don't, I don't think there's a 0% chance of him getting fired. That's why I got to put it up that's why I got to put it a little bit up there, but I think they're trending in the right direction. So I think it's getting cooler. I think his seat is getting cooler, but I'm not, he's not, he's not completely safe this year.
1: I'm going to agree with you a little bit. I think it's warm. We're like, now he's got the talent. They have the number one, I think portal class this year. He's done really well in the portal last year, Jared verse, and obviously got some big name tight ends, got the tight end from shorter, got Jaheem bell from South Carolina. It's a big year for Jordan Travis too, right? Like he was quietly one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Um, he's
0: like top three, top he's five. He's a Heisman, Heisman finalist, right? Or something. Yeah. yeah he's going to be a Heisman
1: in. finalist. Um, or preseason I think
0: favorite. I don't know if he's going to be a finalist.
1: Well, he should be. That's the whole thing. It's like he should yeah. be. Um, and when you have those high expectations, I think this comes to the territory where, um, I mean, you have to go to Florida. LSU is at in Orlando this year. Um, you got to go to Boston College should be fine there. You got to go to Clemson. It's not a good year to have to go to Clemson. Uh, you get Miami at home. You got to go to Wake Forest. You got to go to Pitt. And uh, you get VT and Duke at home. I don't know. I think hot seat is like, if they're six and six, I think Norvell's is probably out. Like, I think that's probably, there's expectations now where you've, you've moved on and they ended it on how many game win trick did they have uh, Did Florida State ended on? Do you remember?
0: Um, I don't know off the top of my head
1: well they it seemed like once you feel like as a program that you've uh, you've moved past like the the building block era right Where like you've moved past it like we've been developing we've been recruiting we've been hitting the portal hard we found our quarterback this is where we're at like we feel really good now this is now the time to win and once expectations rise like this I think it's really hard to sell it because then you look at it as like, Hey, if we move on from this guy, we have a really strong base. It's not the situation that Mike Norbell walked into when he got the job at, uh, at in Tallahassee when Willie Taggart was let go, right? Like that's a big part of this too, is that if they did make a move and they had, they underachieved a little bit this year and went six and six or seven and five or whatever. I think this is an attractive job now. And I think this is a really good roster top to bottom and should be the, the favorites going into the ACC uh season next year i um i don't know i think that's why the seat's warm it's definitely not cool because i think he has to win double to do games next year i think this is like a breakthrough year like you said they're gonna be a preseason top six team at worst i think clemson's looking a little bit shaky i think they'll be favored when so the acc
0: that was gonna be my next question i asked yeah. you is what does it take for the seat to get cooler next year
1: i think he has to win the acc
0: I think he just has to get to the ACC championship. I think he has to win it. And the pressure is off a little bit.
1: Nah, I think he needs to win it. I think he needs to be in a New Year's Six game this year, at the very least, if that's a playoff or another kind of New Year's think, Six game.
0: I think that type of season like puts it to rest completely. I think that like, buys him like a few years. I think yeah. just getting to the ACC championship, it's like, okay, now we're feeling good about this guy. Gets a little bit cooler going into 2024.
1: We'll see. Um, I'm very interested to see cause I'm very high on the, the nulls going into next year and that'd be fun. Uh, I think college football, they're one of those programs. It's just more fun. Florida state's good. I think. Yeah. Uh, just more fun.
0: Yeah. And if I'm predicting, I'm, I'm predicting them to to move this thing in the right direction. too. I think the ACC is wide open.
1: There you go. Um, next up James Franklin, he was on my list, not on yours, Mac green. Um, what do you think? Why is James Franklin not on your hot seat list? The green, the green. I uh, mean, he just list? wasn't
0: necessarily one of the first guys
1: I thought of, but um, hmm. since you
0: brought him up, um, I put his heat index at a three hmm. because it's, it is there. I think I'm trying to, when I'm going with this heat index, I'm thinking like hmm. the chances they get fired this year, like the chances of him getting fired are very, very low. Hmm. So, I think ultimately, like, you just look at what he's done. Like the 11 and 2 this year, finishing top 10, I think that helped a lot. It's like you didn't beat Michigan. You didn't beat Ohio State. Like those two teams were in the college football playoff. Like we're not firing our coach at Penn State for that. So I think, I think this was the kind of year because I've talked about that 2016 season. It's like he, he's milk. He's been milking that 2016 season for a long time. Like they did win the Big 10 that year, but. You know, we had the seven and six 2021, you know, you can throw out the four and five 2020 if you want, but it was still a really bad taste in your mouth uh, for Penn state to go four and five, even if it was the COVID year, 11 and two, like another 11 and two type season, like, when I look, like, I feel like Franklin's under, like, Kirby Smart type of pressure. It's not, like, real hot seat. Like, I think – because I had an issue. I think it was going – maybe been going into 2021, people talking about, like, the coaches under the most pressure. It was, like, guys who are going to maybe get fired and Kirby Smart. It's like, okay, Kirby Smart's not getting fired. He's under a lot of pressure to win a national championship. Like, James Franklin is under a lot of pressure – To get past Ohio State and Michigan, but it's not this like you go, you win eight, nine games and you're going to get fired or something. I don't think James Franklin's in that position at all, especially like his contract situation is a whole other thing. Like, I really don't think he's getting fired, but 11 and 2, I feel like he bought himself, you know, a little bit. But if it's another 10 and 2 regular season where they lose to Michigan, Ohio State, I don't know that it gets cooler next year. I feel like you can start to, you know, getting that. Well, is this all we're gonna be like? Ohio State is. They lost C.J. Stroud. They might take a step back next year. Like, you know, Michigan is. They they did just win the Big Ten. They they seem like they're gonna be good again next year. I don't know. Like if like what is Penn State seems like they have high expectations going into twenty twenty three. Like I don't know what necessarily what it would take. For his seat to get cooler? What, what do you think it takes
1: to get cooler? I think he has to split Michigan and Ohio state this year. Um, he gets Michigan at home, which I think is better. Um, I think Ohio State's just a bigger ask uh, at this point. I think Michigan's gettable. Um, they played them really well for the most part uh, this past year until the bottom came out uh, in the second half. If I, if I recall correctly, it didn't, isn't that how it went? It was close to the half and then Michigan put it on in the second half. Is that remembering remembering That correctly.
0: I think you're right. I think it was fairly close. It wasn't as close as the Ohio State game. Like that was like close going into like the fourth quarter. But yeah, it was
1: 16-14 at the half. And then Michigan outscored him 25 to 3 in the second half. So that was it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so just a terrible second half, and that wasn't great. But Michigan obviously in the playoff, Ohio State in the playoff, those were your only two losses last year. If you're James Franklin, like my only two losses were to two playoff teams, and he beats everyone he's supposed to beat. But my thing is, like, I've always maintained that Penn State's a top 10 job in the sport, maybe top eight, uh, maybe top seven. Um, you could sell me on that.
0: Ooh, I don't know about that.
1: Penn State's a good job, man. There's a lot of talent in that area. You can recruit the Northeast. You have the DMV. Pennsylvania's got some good players. You can get some of these North Carolina kids. You can go up and down the coast a little bit. Like, Penn State's a good recruiting spot, and they've recruited well. They're always in the blue chip ratio. I don't know. I think Penn State would- I think defy- there might be
0: four or five, maybe even more jobs in the SEC alone that are better than Penn State.
1: You don't have to deal with the Bama's and the Georgia's of the world. I don't think Michigan's as stable as uh, the, a lot of the premier programs uh, around uh, the SEC. So I don't know. Um, I will say, Drew Aller, five-star kid, probably the most talented quarterback Franklin's had under center um, to this point in Happy Valley. There's a lot of pressure on him to be great because Sean Clifford, there was Sean Clifford fatigue and happy vibe this past year. And it's like he's been there for so long and it just he was good. Like he was good, not great, right? Like he was steady. He did enough to win a bunch of games at Penn State, but it just not not the kind of quarterback to break through and really get Penn State into the playoff conversation and, uh, you know, get him back to where they were uh, the peak Joe Paw years. Like I am. Um, I don't know. I think his seat's warm. I don't think it's hot. But I think he needs to split one of those two to calm some doubters because he went 0-2 against them last year and he gets Michigan at home this year. He has the five-star talented kid, talented roster. I think there's going to be some, hey, could Penn State sneak into the playoff conversation uh, this offseason? I think Franklin needs to have one of those monumental wins, right? Like, I think he needs to beat one of those two to keep his, to keep Penn State, fans happy where it's like are we what are we doing here what's the point of any of this if we're just gonna are we've hit our ceiling of 10 wins every year and then we can't compete with michigan and and, uh and ohio state and i think what will happen is like you said i don't think he'll ever get fired i think he'll just leave for like if usc ever opened up because lincoln riley took an nfl job or something like i don't think he ever gets fired there but i could see a scenario where he maybe even nfl like he looks at an nfl job and then gets uh they have to go somewhere else but We'll see.
0: He's he's seventy-eight and thirty-six yeah. since being at Penn State. Four different eleven win seasons. So like mm-hmm. he's been really good. I don't know if he's been good enough to say like he's never gonna get fired, because I think he I think they could get in that that Mark Richt type of okay, we're really good every year, but we wanna mm-hmm. be better than really good. We wanna actually win the Big Ten. We wanna mm-hmm. beat Michigan, beat Ohio State. I think I think you nailed it uh, personally. I think if if they do beat Michigan or Ohio State, I think that's the only way it gets cooler. Like if mm-hmm. he, I don't necessarily, I don't know if it gets hotter if if they just go ten and two and lose to both of them and finish ranked number eight like they are this year. It's like it's just probably more of the same, and there might be a li- it might be a little warmer and just some of that frustration. Like, are we ever going to get better than than these two schools? Especially look at the playoff. Like Michigan State's made the playoff. Michigan's mm-hmm. now made the playoff twice. Ohio State's made it, I think, five times, made the mm-hmm. national championship game twice. It's like if you're sitting there as, as a Penn State fan and you're seeing all these other like that's really what did it in for Mark Richt. It's like, okay, everyone in the SEC that we compete against has won a title since us. Like, this isn't really acceptable. So it's mm-hmm. it's different standards for different programs, but that's that's definitely going to affect it because I think they do have a legitimate shot to, to to kind of expect a, a a big 10 championship in 2023. So I think that would be, that would be massive. And that would put it away, like put it to rest if they actually won the East this year. But um, I think, I think what you're saying, it's definitely cooler if you can just get, just have that one signature win.
1: For sure. Uh, Sam Pittman on my list, not on your list. Why do you think uh, his seat is not at least going into 2023, a little warm Mac Green? Mm, Sam Pittman's a one. He's a he's really? a one
0: for me on the heat end. Is it because of the oh, personality
1: yeah. or do you or are you really a believer that last year was a blip and they're not sliding back into 5 and 7, 6 and 6, 7 and 5 purgatory for the next couple of years?
0: Part of it is does arkansas not want to be in seven and five purgatory like are they is are they above that as a program like hey they're, they're a my hey they're five.
1: a little everything school. their baseball program legit eric musselman in the football basketball program if they were healthy they're the best team in college basketball i think they they take the big three pretty seriously
0: oh without a doubt but i'm, I'm just looking at looking at Arkansas, their last back-to-back uh, winning seasons was 2014 and 2015 before mm. Sam Pittman in 21 and 22. Like that's, that's a that's a while ago. And their last nine win season was Petrino, like was it 2011? Mm. So Pittman in three years, he's taken a program that was just at the absolute bottom of the sec three and seven year one, nine and four year two and seven and six year three. Like, KJ Jefferson also missed some games this past year like i i think that team was better than a 7 and 5 team just with what they put on the field honestly but i did i and i just from a heat index perspective it's like Arkansas just loves Sam Pittman i think that is a i think that is a part of it that this guy actually looks at Arkansas as a destination job and he's made some good hires like the the uh I'm blanking on his name right now. The offensive coordinator just left. Bryles. Like, Bryles. That that could, you know, that could heat things up if the they're all also defensive. left. That's true. But he for left for a head coaching job. Yeah. So I, I think that's a little bit different. So I mean, the defense was terrible anyway. So they need they needed a change there. But I um that that's definitely the defense took a big step back. So you could you could criticize the coordinator hires from that perspective. So it's definitely going to be really important that he gets these two coordinator hires uh, right. But, I mean, I think this Arkansas is just a way more relevant program right now than they, they were before Pittman arrived. So I just – I don't think it's gotten hot at all. I think I, I think after 2023, like if it's a – I think it has to like miss a bowl game to – to get hotter, honestly. They can I think miss a bowl game though
1: next year. Look at this schedule. No,
0: they definitely could, but I'm saying they went seven and five this year. Like if they yeah. go seven and five, eight and four again next year, it's like they there's nothing that what what do Arkansas fans really expect them to be? Like, are do you really expect them to consistently be better than Alabama or LSU? Like, even Auburn, when they're good, mm-hmm. is way better than Arkansas. Like their ceiling is way higher than Arkansas. Like I wouldn't like say they the, a- should AM. The AM loss was kind of fluky, I feel like, last year. Mm. Like Arkansas was was not a bad team. They're definitely disappointing for where they were supposed to be. But I don't know. I, I just I don't think that the seat's gotten that hot yet.
1: I would definitely not say it's hot yet. I just think I am curious to see if Arkansas fans are getting a little tired of like, hey, yeah, it's great that you love Arkansas and a super rootable guy. But like if we're going 500 every year, like we're gonna get some Ed Orgeron vibes where it's like, how much of this was just your uh, a cool guy um, to grab a beer with. You're good at, uh, energy guy. Guys like being around you. But uh, Kendall Briles and Barry Odom are now out the door, and we went to Dan Enos as uh, the new OC, and lost a lot of guys in the portal. We have to go to um, let's see on the calendar. Yeah, they're at Old Miss, and M on a neutral site, at LSU, at Alabama, um, at Florida too. So and they get Auburn at home. But I don't know. This schedule looks to me like a Best case scenario, like best case scenario, eight and four. But I'm going to go more six and six. And I just, I don't know. Uh, yeah, we'll that
0: see. SEC West. What, what do you think it takes to for his seat to be cooler?
1: Nine and three, ten and two.
0: See, I, I wouldn't say ten and two. I would say nine and three plus a, eight and four. Even eight, eight, yeah, eight and four, four is probably safe. Yeah, eight and four is safe eight and four and someone you played was in the top 10 and you had the whole field rushing and that, that whole sort of thing, like some sort of signature win on the season. I think eight and four is like, we're good with Sam Pittman. Maybe win the bowl game and go nine and four. Like, I think that's all it would really take. Cause I don't, I don't think Arkansas necessarily has the same, you know, national championship or bus standard. And I think Sam Pittman is a good coach, but we'll, we'll see. It's still, it's still early in his tenure.
1: For sure. Um, Steve Sarkeesian, Matt Green, um, we both had uh on the list. Why is he on the hot seat for you? For me, he's on the hot seat because
0: it's Texas and he hasn't really done that much yet. Like Tom Herman, you look at what Tom Herman did. He went 32 and 18 in four years. Hmm. First year seven and six, ten and four, finished ranked ninth, eight and five, finished ranked twenty-fifth. Seven and three CoVID year finished ranked 19th. They fired that guy. So it was like Sarkeesian right now went five and seven, year one, eight and five, year two, and TCU just played in the national championship game. You can't tell me that didn't rattle every single Texas booster out there that TCU is the first big 12 program to to win a college football playoff game. like not not Texas, not Oklahoma. TCU just did that. Texas, Texas people aren't, are the most rational group. All right. Like I don't feel like Charlie strong. He had like three straight losing seasons and they got rid of him. Like that was a quick trigger, but there was really no sign of improvement. Like Tom Herman was not really doing a bad job. And now you look at Texas. We were just talking about Florida state. Texas is going to be preseason top 10, like mm. probably 10 at like the lowest, like, there's so much hype around Texas right now. If they if they go seven and five, I think this thing gets real hot. I heat index I got it at a five right now because I don't think I don't think he probably doesn't get fired, but I don't think it's like impossible. Like they miss a bowl game, I think they could just go ahead and fire him. But I don't think that's going to happen. But I, I think just with with Texas, it's just a I don't know. It's a it's a tricky spot. I I don't. I just. I can't feel too comfortable about Texas.
1: Well, we went eight and four last year, and we also don't know their schedule yet, right? Like all we know is Bama and uh, a couple other non conference, right? They haven't released what Texas's schedule is going to be going in next year, right? I don't even know. Well, I mean, we
0: know. I don't. We don't know home and road, but you mean you know they play everyone in the Big Twelve, right? So who who do they play? Well, no, we don't know
1: that because the Big Twelve is expanding, so we don't know who all they play in the Big Twelve yet.
0: Oh shoot! Yeah, you're right. So that's that's a good point. So I'm I'm not sure how they're. I guess they gotta still decide the the playoff or the the conference championship the same way, even though everyone's not going to be playing everyone. Yeah. Kind of how the the Pac-12 just changed things last year. Someone could could get a raw deal potentially,
1: for sure. Um, I just I think nine and three, ten and two is what he has to do. Um, probably ten and two to keep the seat. And like you said, like Texas is different. And Herman had some success there. Charlie Strong had success early um you're it,
0: you're saying sorry nine and three ten and two to do what
1: to get it cool like i think it's cool if he's nine okay. and three ten and two um because you've got arch manning in the building now like <laughs> i think he's gonna get some time and like if arch is like a package deal with sark <laughs> where it's like no um i want to be developed by steve sarkeesian former nfl oc um all that kind of stuff like i'm i'm part of the deal that i think he's fine Quinn Ewers has to take some strides, though, because he did not pop off the page this past year. But they get Isaiah Nair, the Wyoming transfer who tore, I think it was ACL early um, last year. So he never played it down for them. Um, You get him in there. You get uh, A.D. Mitchell. You have a lot of talent out wide. A lot more to work with um, at Texas this year than last year. But they also lose two of their leading back so I think it's gonna be a very different offense but I also think we saw a lot the biggest thing for me is like the defense looks a lot better um the defense looks like it's a physical tough front that we have not seen from Texas in a long time so I think they're moving in the right direction but I do think it's Texas and it's one of the three jobs uh, around the country where your expectations um should or I guess four jobs where your expectations should be if you don't make the playoff you have a lot to explain to do year over year because of the recruiting because the NIL because of all the advantages that you have they are allowed to have extremely high expectations. And it's Georgia, it's Alabama, it's uh, Texas, and it's USC. Those four never have any excuses in 2023 and beyond of not competing at the highest of high levels. And if you can't do it, then you got to find somebody else because the resources and everything else is there um, to do that. Uh, Well, and I think think to get it cooler, Mm.
0: honestly, I think in most years, if Oklahoma was what they are, I think getting to the big 12 championship is all it would take to get it cooler. Mm. But I feel like with what the big 12 currently is, I think winning the big 12 championship is really the only way that it gets like actually cooler going into, Mm. into 2024 because the big 12 just kind of looks wide open right now. And like you're saying, like we're Texas, we have more talent than anybody in this conference. Like if TCU can do what they just did in year one with Sonny Dykes, like, you got three years now, Sark. You know, like if, if if they're talking to him, like this is year three. Like we expect you to win this conference because we don't just expect you to win this conference. Like you said, we expect to be in the college football playoff. Like we're the University of Texas. Like we might as well have invented this sport. Like so, I I, I don't know. I think there is a lot of pressure on Sarkisian, like more than just hot seat pressure. Like it, it is that like we have to clearly be going to that next level
1: for sure. Jimbo Fisher, Matt green made both of our lists. I still don't even know how strong I'm going to say it's still cool because of the buyout is still just like part of me is like, I don't know if we're even close to that point where it's like still feasible, uh, on that regard to just eat so much of that buyout money if you were to make a move. But I don't know. I mean, He should be on the list. Like, I think it should be hot. What do I think it is in that building? Probably warm, but I think it should be nuclear based on that last class and how many guys are out the building from that class and where they're at um, as a program. I mean, we'll see what uh, by Petrino taking over uh, this offense, but I would agree. Why would you say it's smoking hot for Petrino or for, I guess, for Petrino too, but for Jimbo Fisher going into 2023?
0: I the only the buyout was the only reason I didn't put it at a 9. Hmm. I got it at an 8, honestly, because I don't think the buyout matters that much. Like they just missed a bowl game. Like yeah. that's just they were knocking on the door of the college football playoff in 2020 and that is something that Jimbo Fisher did. You know, that's like an accomplishment that he did actually have that we were kind of quick to forget. But Kevin someone got fired after 51 and 26 in Mm. six years. Like Jimbo Fisher right now is going in, is is this year six going into year six and he's 39 and 21. Like obviously he's missing a few games because of COVID, but like this guy and, and he took over the program. He took over is a whole nother level than the program that Kevin Sumlin took over. Like Kevin Sumlin had Johnny Manziel. They were producing NFL offensive tackles every other year. Like, They were putting uh, what's his name in the in the league? Miles Garrett going first overall. Like AM was was a a big time program, winning eight or nine games basically every year. I think someone is actually winning eight games like every year, but someone before someone, they were with four and eight, missing bowl games. Like they weren't they weren't this team that had high expectations. So for what they are with Jimbo Fisher, the way they've recruited, if they miss another bowl game, this man is done. So, like, I, I don't think there's any way you can you can rationalize him not getting fired if they miss a bowl game. So, if I'm just looking at like what it takes to actually cool it, because like I, you, this is year six, right? Like, if he improves on last year, like, what is that really going to do? Like, if he goes seven and five this year and we go to the they go to the Independence Bowl, it's like are a And M fans feeling good now? Like. I don't really think so. I think you might not get They were sniffing the playoff
1: two, three years ago now.
0: That's what I'm saying. So I think you have to be at least like 10 wins, I think is what it takes to like cool things off for, for Jimbo Fisher. Cause even if they go nine and three, it's like, maybe you have some good wins in the sec West if you're going nine and three. So that's like, that's enough to, you know, feel a little better, but you're still like, we just signed the number one class in the, of all time, like two years ago at at that point, it'll be two years ago. It's like these guys are supposed to be playing. Obviously some of those guys transferred and things like that, but I don't know. At some point we have to see the the fruits of the, of the labor. It's like, this is year six now. Like, I think it's going to take, I think it's going to take finishing in the top half of the sec West, which is at least nine, 10 wins.
1: This schedule is not good. They come here. This fall, Matt Green. Like, they're coming to Tennessee. They're going to lose that game. Like, Tennessee is going to beat Texas A&M hmm. and next year. Um, but they got to go to Ole what, Miss. What's the
0: date on that?
1: Uh, October
0: 14th. Oh, nice. Uh, that should be a good one, man. I, that, that, uh, that that sounds like a nice 3.30 uh, CBS kickoff.
1: Um, It is. But you know what sucks It's the week prior is Bama. On the, uh, or no, that's their week prior is Bama third. T- yeah, no, that would be third Saturday in October. So that would be
0: the week before Bama, Tennessee.
1: No, we play. Uh, we, yeah. So we would play because if it's the 14th, then it's the third Saturday of October. So yeah, they would play after, um, after that one, uh, Tennessee would play Alabama the following week Yeah, gotcha. sure. on the road. So that's, that's kind of back to back haymakers, but I mean, you got to go, you get Auburn at home, but you got to go to Miami. Miami might be a lot better next year. Matt green. Like they're going to go to Miami. Um, they go to LSU. I mean, I don't know, this schedule, Arkansas in a neutral site, I, this looks like seven and five to me again. Or like, I don't see the 10-win breakthrough. I didn't see enough from Connor Wegman, but I guess it just depends. Like all that's gonna come down to how good by Petrino is play caller right away. Like, can he turn Connor Wegman into a top tier SEC quarterback right out of the gate? If he can, then yeah, 10 wins is possible. They have a bunch of defensive talent. They can do that, but it's gonna, <laughs> We're going to see if by Petrino is a miracle worker uh on that front. Um Brent Venables, we both he's, have on he the He seems list.
0: like a guy who's who's really coaching more for his job than anyone else on this list.
1: That like it's it's a What you think Jimbo of, like, Fisher is coaching more for his job than anybody else on this list?
0: I think so, for sure, hmm. because I mean he's just Does do six wins, keep his job? Like missing a bowl game, he's getting fired. Six wins, maybe seven wins? Maybe like I think eight wins is probably like safe that he's not getting fired, but anything under that, like seven and five, like I'm not guaranteeing he doesn't get fired. Like they got a, a lot of resources getting paid a lot of money. They fired a guy for doing better than seven and five uh, a, a lot of times. So I
1: hmm. don't know.
0: I, I think the pressure is definitely on Jimbo this year.
1: Interesting. Okay. Fine with me. Uh Brent Venables uh, on the hot seat. Yes or no for you? It's not quite hot yet, but mm. um, Oklahoma
0: doesn't go six and seven. So for that reason, he does register on the heat index. I got him at a four because mm. you don't even know that he can be a head coach yet. So there's still some of that question mark. It's like, especially just from an optics, from a narrative standpoint, that might be completely false, but just kind of how it looks on the surface, this guy wasn't a coach for, was the hottest coordinator out there for a decade and never jumped at being a head coach. It wasn't until the Clems- Clemson got kind of worse that he did leave and become a head coach. It's kind of odd timing. So you start to wonder if this guy takes a program like Oklahoma, which was more of a rebuilding job than it really kind of got credit for because like it doesn't, when you look at the win loss record doesn't really factor in the fact that uh, uh what's his name Riley took half the half the roster or obviously yeah. not half the roster but took all the key players with him
1: um so it was a, a little more a quarterback rebuild. was taken with him in that regard turned he out turned out to be pretty so. good
0: yeah so that obviously is part of it but um you know I think uh I think there's just some pressure because you still don't really know if if Inables is is that level of coach so uh, and I think 10 wins is really what it would take to uh to like, okay, we feel good about Venables because I think there's something about Oklahoma fans. Like it is the Big 12. Like, yeah, we go eight and four, nine and three. Like, that's a better season, but we expect to be winning this conference. So nine and three is probably the bare minimum that like at least he get gets the program back on track.
1: That's fair. Um, I'm curious. Well, here's the thing too. It's like when you're struggling out of year one, my question is like, all right, what's the recruiting like? And it's like Venables has killed it. Uh, with this class so they didn't they finish in the top five if i recall correctly uh with this with this class the 2023 one am i misremembering Um, i think
0: you're right yeah they're right up there
1: because they still they got the safety last minute who like he went to like three different ones remember he was at notre dame and then oregon and then uh and oregon thought they got him and then he ended up at uh oklahoma what's his name and jackson arnold uh looks like he's pretty highly ranked um to what is the kid's name yeah, i can't they find got
0: the uh the fourth ranked class yeah I'm there you go right here uh peyton bowen that's was it the,
1: the safety yeah so that's big and i think that's the other part of it it's just like fourth ranked class i'm not as concerned uh you're gonna venables i'm is three five is... stars in this class yeah they're i think they're gonna be fine i'm not worried about brand Venable's. i will say is ted roof still calling? is he still dc that's still a thing because you probably don't want that you don't want that in, in 2023. Um, he's still the defensive coordinator and linebackers coach. So I don't know. That's that's a little suspect, but um, they should be fine. I'm not concerned. I think his is cool. He's the only one I have right now is cool to me. I, I think he's he's going to be fine for a while. We'll see. Yeah, he's um, definitely the cooler
0: ones on the list.
1: Yeah. Uh, we're going to break this up into two so we don't rush through the other ones because I think there's some spicy stuff we have on some other names like uh, Mel Tucker or Shane Beamer um, that I don't want to rush through with this pod. Um, so we'll end on this one. Another spicy one. We talked about his team a little bit uh, at the top of the show. With, uh, Rashada not uh, making the trip to Gainesville and will be playing college football for somebody else uh, in 2023 and beyond. Billy Napier, Matt Green, how hot is his seat for you going into year two in Gainesville? It's definitely a little, a little warm.
0: Like mm. I, uh, it's warmer than I definitely was expecting it to be. Just for a guy who's a, a first year head coach, right? Mm. Like you just look at you look at where the program was like when he took over. Like it's it's hard to say, right? Like exactly where the program was because Dan Mullen won a lot of games, but it's mm. like it was just. I don't know, it's just like so sour on the way out. Just one bad season and he's gone basically. So th- the perception is of Florida is that like they're this top 10 program that he just took over and then year 1 he goes 6 and 7. Like I don't think that actually is what Florida is right now because I think Dan Mullen was really slacking that hard behind the scenes and and not the the level of recruiting that Florida was doing was just not the level that they're used to. So I think he has some leeway there and, and it, and the Rashada stuff might not even be really his fault, but as the head coach, you know, he ends up being the one that's blamed for it. So I put Napier at a, at a seven, honestly, mm. because I started to a six, but I'm looking at Mike Norvell and it's like his seat, while Norvell's been around for a few more years, his seat feels warmer than Norvell's right now. Like, cause Norvell at least is coming off a 10 and three and it's trending. It's trending cooler. Like hmm. this is, this is a definitely trending warmer. And it's just like part of it. Like you look at last year, like there's some games Like I will give him credit. Like the Tennessee game, hmm. they were only in that game because of Billy Napier. Like they went like five for five on fourth down or something like, they had, they had the onside kick. Did they have like a surprise onside kick in that game like early on or like a fake punt or something like that? Like there yeah. was a, like le- like just some specific coaching moves that like kept them in that game, like that you had to give him credit for. But – and if they just kind of, you know, went like along with the script and just kind of finished the season seven and five, eight and four, like they were kind of trending to do – we wouldn't even be talking. We'd be talking about them being a sleeper in the SEC East next year. But the way they finished the season, just the loss to Vanderbilt, just getting absolutely embarrassed by Oregon State. Like, in obviously the bowl game, say what you want about the bowl game, it's still not a good look to just look uncompetitive on the field. So to see them finish six and seven, I think it's definitely heating up a little for Napier.
1: Yeah, I think it's heating up. I think Florida fans are pretty upset. And part of it, like you said, it kind of sucks for Napier because I think a lot of it's not even in his control, like what's going on a little bit. So I think he he's the staff's good um, on both sides of the ball. I think it's not even that. I think he's a good coach. He did a lot right at ULL. Like he was uh, a great, great coach, won a bunch of ball games for the Raging Cajuns, obviously on the staff with uh, Saban years ago. But I just look at it it's just trending the wrong way like this just looks like a mess that he's not going to get out of and i think what we talked about at the beginning where it's like florida's just normally a mess when it's not urban meyer and steve spurrier roaming the sidelines it's just been mostly what it is and i think norvell and florida state figuring it out has not helped things uh, miami obviously killing it in nil and recruiting That's not help things. Clemson's obviously been in the state of Florida for a while now, and they're winning a lot of these battles. You have Ohio state coming down there, winning a lot of these battles. Now you just got Colorado coming into Florida and taking Cromani McLean. Like I just, my gut tells me it's not going to end well. Like my gut says it's warm and with Graham Mertz and Jack Miller, maybe as your quarterback room next year, like that's four and eight, that's like five and seven max. And that's, that's a rough spot to be in the Gators um i just i don't think that's gonna stand i don't think they'll fire him after year two but it means it it feels like a staff change here right where like they they underperformed he has to fire his guys the o season like we have to do like a full-on like save your job the uh, do whatever we got to do to go into year three like hey if this doesn't work in year three i'm out of here and uh that's just kind of where i think things are heading unfortunately for the gators and gator fans it's just. I think this is a marriage that's not going to work. So I'm going to say it's warm. And I think it gets hot going into 2024 if they go five and seven, six and six.
0: Yeah. And seven might be a little too high because he's not most likely not going to get fired this year. Mm. But if they miss a bowl game, like is, is definitely a possibility. Like you look at the schedule, like at Utah and Tennessee in the first three weeks of the year, like McNeese State and Charlotte, they should start two and two. But, like, at Kentucky, even at South Carolina, obviously it was someone they destroyed last year at home. But then you, you finish. They don't have any of those November cupcakes. So you just finish with, with Georgia, Arkansas, at LSU, at Missouri, Florida State. I don't know how many of those, those final Feels five. Feels like two and three to me. After that bowl game, those final five, mm-hmm. I think two and three is almost the best-case scenario yeah. for those for those final five. So, you know, there's – you can find five or six or seven losses, I think, on this schedule. So yeah, I think it could definitely get real hot um coming in and especially coming into year three and not even really knowing who your quarterback is at that point. I think that's an important position to have to figure out. And the Jaden Rashada stuff really, you know, leaves them in a bad position. But you know, they did they do have the the five star for the class of twenty twenty four committed DJ Lagway, I want to mm. say is his name. Um, you know, so he could be the guy coming in and, you know, maybe Florida gets a top 10 recruiting class. And I think what it's going to take to cool his seat, I think is a signature win. I think he's got to have like an eight and four with like a signature win, obviously beating Georgia isn't really realistic at this point, but if you somehow beat Tennessee, Next year in Knoxville. Next year, or no, it it's
1: in. Uh, it's in. If you can Florida. beat Tennessee, yeah.
0: that'd be massive next year. If you could end the season beating Florida State, like that would just be absolutely huge. So if you, if we have go eight and win and one win and one of those three rival games, I think that, I mean count four rival games uh, with LSU included too, like Georgia, Florida, uh, Georgia, Tennessee, Florida State, and LSU. If he can, if they go in eight games and win one of those games, I think you could, I think you could uh, see the seat cool down a little
1: bit. Also, play Miami again, you cowards. What are we doing here? Play Miami, Florida man play oh yeah central florida Put any of the like how is this not constantly on the schedule what are we doing like why is south florida central florida fiu why aren't they always playing their cupcake games against like why aren't they
0: they don't have many they don't have many at a conference spots to work with like these teams that that have the locked acc game like they only have the three different games every year and i mean Plan Utah, they haven't done that. So I'm I'm gonna True. I'm gonna congratulate Florida, applaud Florida for actually on the early loss next year. Scheduling the big time home and home. They've I think they have a few of them coming up, like maybe an Arizona State or something coming up, mm. Colorado in the next couple of years, which
1: might man, take that one off the calendar. They, they
0: were uh <laughs> they might rethink that one. But um, but yeah, so I, I'm I'm glad to see uh, Florida going out to Utah next year.
1: There you go. Well, like I said, we uh, went through seven here. We got 13 total on the list and we'll do part two on uh, the next show and more news and notes that we can get through. But it's an off season. We got time. We got stuff to parse through. I'd rather not rush through it. Uh, we already went uh, kind of long for this one. So I uh, appreciate you guys uh, tuning in, as always, for the full ride here on the Jason's podcast. Matt Green, thank you, as always, for making the time. Uh, Find me on Twitter, Matt underscore W underscore Green. All that good stuff. Give him a follow today if you have not already done so. Um, as always, we do these on Sunday evenings only during the uh, offseason for college football. Uh, Matt Green, always a pleasure, my friend. And uh, I will talk to you next week. Yes, sir. This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves. And I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing Mm -hmm. um, pleasantness. You're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah.